0: Welcome to a brand new episode. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show.
1: Hello and welcome to The Python Show with your host, Mike Driscoll. That's me. And today I have the wonderful guest, uh, Woody from SacPy, which is a Python meetup in Sacramento, California. Welcome to the show, Woody.
0: Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's good to have you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, your journey into programming?
0: Sure. Yeah. So uh, as Mike pointed out, we met through a a Python user group called SacPy based out of Sacramento, California. I've been running that since January of 2020. We had to bring things online uh, just after... Just after I took things over, it was initially an in-person meetup and became a, a Zoom meetup. We did a few other versions. We did Google Hangouts. We've tried Discord as well. This one's cool. pretty neat. Riverside? No, wait, Zencaster? I don't know. There's a whole bunch of really neat options out there. Uh, but we tend we tend to make it more of a user group. So Zoom is a pretty decent model. Um, so, yeah, my, per- my journey into programming actually started pretty early. Uh, Junior high in eighth grade was the first time I was able to finally choose an elective. I was always a band kid. And so in seventh grade, you only get one elective per semester. So that always went towards band. But in uh, eighth grade, you get to choose two. So still band. But then the next one, next I did uh, computer science. And looking back, I realized I actually started uh, along with you know your typical HTML and like I don't know junior high I don't think they even had us pointing at CSS at that point it was just straight HTML. Um, hmm. But uh, Python was actually one of the earliest things I learned. I, I remember playing around with turtle, and they had us drawing, wow. they had us drawing circles and squares and triangles and whatnot. And so of course I like to add a little bit of convolution to any given data set when I enjoy what I'm doing and I was, I was having fun with turtle. So I decided to draw a smiley face and obviously it went hilariously, (laughs) hilariously awry at the beginning as I discovered that, Oh no, as you go in on a circle, they need to turn more. (laughs) so Mm. But yeah, that's, I I think that's where my, my approach to software and new languages and, Exploring the edges and corners started. Uh, after that, i you know, I didn't really like stick with it. I came back to software many different times. Mm. Um, I really got into the t i eighty three graphing calculators. They had a mm-hmm. they had a basic interpreter. They also had the ability to do assembly. I never got so far as to write my own assembly program. So I did get to the point where I could like at least load them and whatnot. Um, But I did write a whole bunch of programs in basic. Um, And so that was, that was probably my first self-taught experience where I was literally just, here's a machine, here's a manual. What can I do with that? Um, And if you, if you look up Woody Hooten on Google, one of the oldest results that comes up is uh, some of the files I uploaded to tiCalc.org. They were pretty lame. I was cool. mostly, I was mostly just interested in the general concept of oh, I, I wrote something on my calculator and now I can share it with the internet. Ooh, neat. Mm-hmm. So, uh, pretty happy with that one. Um, and then school, I out of out of high school, I went into community college instead of going on to a four year right away. Um, I, I don't yeah. know, I was a bit of a late bloomer. I had a girlfriend at the time, too, so I had a lot of reasons to stay in the area and just generally didn't feel like I was ready. Uh, but I, I did just general engineering mm-hmm. as my focus to start uh, with the intention of doing, you know, computer science engineering. Uh, but so that had me doing, uh, you know, Java uh, for 101 and 102 and all those. Um, did mm-hmm. an SQL class as well. Uh, you know, did the the standard early stuff. You know, CS one where they have you do a um, you know HTML, CSS, JavaScript type thing. Um, but yeah, once I once I ended up making my way to four year. I so I it was also in addition to being a band kid, I'm kind of a jock. Uh, I made it into UC San Diego as a swimmer, and so that got me it got okay. me into a really cool school. A very very competitive research institution. Definitely not the place to uh, to party um, because, oh, man, they were competitive there. Um, I mm-hmm. like to joke that was my first lesson in outsourcing. Get my diploma from UC San Diego and go get the party at uh, San Diego State. We had some fun over there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, cool. so I, I wasn't able to do computer science, so I ended up in cognitive science. Um, I specialized hmm. in human Computer interaction, so I stayed close to the space. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Silicon Valley. Spent ten years all over the map in the startup scene, and at the end of it, I realized, you know, if I'm going to do anything, I want to be doing in this space, I need to be able to code. And I was always kind of okay at it, so I figured, mm-hmm. hey, why not? And I'd taken a long enough time in Silicon Valley figuring out like what exactly I wanted to do, which I think is sometimes mm-hmm. hard about software is just what am I doing? Um, why am I trying yeah. their code and whatnot? Um, and realized I wanted to do AI stuff. That's one of the pillars of cognitive science. Um, and I wanted to do things that had a big community around them. I wanted to give back as much as possible too. Because, you know, code is, code is ones and zeros. Why, once you've made something good, with the exception of, say, like a really interesting mm-hmm. implementation with awesome hardware and security and stuff like that, like otherwise, like why not just give it away? Um, and so yeah. you know, there's an art to that. Definitely, you can't give everything away. Uh, but I realized yeah. Python was kind of the best fit for all of all of the above. Um, and so yeah, I've been kind of in Python now. I've worked with a handful of startups. Um, I first principles when I'm solving a problem, I'm looking for where's that scaling moment where I can write a script that's going to take you know, the day to day of one person and just all of a sudden, you know, condense eight hours into 10 milliseconds or something like that. And then mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah. And these nice. days I wish I would, I wish I was coding every single day. My GitHub looks kind of okay. Although I've been traveling a bunch this last month. <laughs> so i got some dark streaks in there. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of me in software and, uh, yeah. Python. It's kind of my, my deal these days.
1: That's cool. What are you using Python for right now? If you can share.
0: Um, Let's see right now I'm using it primarily for ETLs. Uh, I'm working with a legal group that's uh, trying to build out its CRM. They've got a bunch of, um, they're looking, they're looking to populate a whole bunch of cold leads uh, to point their new sales team at. So Scraping a number of websites. There are certain license boards out there that are available. Some of them slightly less available, and I had to get a little creative with headless browsing and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I nice. it, when I was in Silicon Valley, I worked a lot with CRMs uh, on like the user operation side of things. You know, customer support, um, social media mm-hmm. management, stuff like that, um, and then sales and sales engineering. So. I always kind of, whenever I'm coding something, it usually starts with some sort of endpoint like that, an API into an existing SaaS or or just you know mm-hmm. an eye towards a big data set. Like, hey, we want to get all the lawyers in California. So, you know, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Cool. So you had all that good background doing all those ComSci and Silicon Valley stuff. And then you've been using Python the last few years. How did you end up joining SackPy and becoming like a leader there?
0: So SackPy was interesting. Um, I no, Unfortunately, in 2018, my dad passed away and I ended up moving wow. back to the hometown. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bummer and all that. Uh, it's been years now. And so it's, you know, we're all, we're all used to the new normal. But in that time, mm-hmm. I kind of found myself away from the industry I knew, and back in rural suburbia. And so, the average mindset in a San Francisco bar is quite a bit different than a Placer County bar. At least as far as like, hey, you know, have you seen this new app? Versus like, hey, I'm working on this thing, or you know, whatever. The entrepreneurial spirit doesn't doesn't uh, exist everywhere. That's for certain. Um, and so. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. So I took that time and uh, figured, hey, you know, I've got gaps in my skills. I'm going to go back to school. There's a community college that got me started in the first place. Might as well pick up some night school. I was working mm-hmm. as a line cook at my friend's uh, restaurant. And so did a, first I did a mobile application development course. And that one was in Lua, which was pretty neat. Uh, but next I did a Python for, what was it called? It wasn't even in the computer science department. It was in the IT department. It was called Python hmm. for Everyday Things or something like that. Something very akin to, you know, automate the boring stuff. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, the,
0: yeah, Al, Al Swagger, you had him recently on the Python show, right? Um, that's that's actually the That's the book that they taught for that course. And I, awesome. as I was getting into the course, I was thinking, hey, this is awesome. I should really see who else in the area is doing something so i got onto meetup.com and i found this sacramento based group and went to a few of them got hooked up with uh hooked up with a local startup and doing i ended up doing some twilio stuff i did some other things too but uh yeah i ended up ended up putting together a twilio presentation and when the the date came around the organizer at the time josh miller said hey I'm moving to Tennessee. Does anyone want to run this group? So you know, it kind of fell <laughs> in my lap. I was the presenter, and all of a sudden there was no organizer. And so mm-hmm. a handful of us kind of stepped up. Um, uh, Nilesh, uh jumped in. I think he's been paying for it. We need to figure out some way to get him compensated. I think the Python Software Foundation might be able to help him with that. Um, and then Robert's be. been helping me. Uh, Robert Shamzada, he and I do a whole bunch of products all over the internet. And uh, and then, yeah, oh. I've been doing it now for over three years. It's been fun.
1: That's awesome. How big is your group, anyway, on average?
0: So the Meetup, I think, is the biggest bucket of subscriptions that's coming up on 1,600. So not tons, but it's not nothing. Uh, we're working on yeah. cultivating some of the other uh, channels. I think Twitter's been the most interesting. That's where you and I really connected initially, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's always fun when you get some wins like that. Unexpected channel. That's yeah. yeah.
1: That is cool. So, what are some challenges you've had to had to overcome uh, being a being a meetup organizer for Python, like meetups and
0: such? Um, Well, let's see. One of the things is, it's kind of a thankless job. Um, I I, I don't charge Mm -hmm. anyone for it. I'm not really getting paid for it. Um, But all the same, uh, I I try to take feedback I get from anyone in the community as seriously as possible, because if they're taking Mm -hmm. the time to speak up, then it's obvious that they have some passion for it. But all the same, like being the unpaid guy for offering the free show. Um, mm-hmm. I still get some some complaints where it's like, "Hey, come on, you know, like you want to help me with that? Like this is Python, we do open yeah. source stuff. You found a problem, you want to help me solve it. Uh, otherwise, yeah. you know, fast, fast, cheap, good. And since this is free, I intend to do a good job. So a solution may not be forthcoming."
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I've helped organize the local Iowa group from time to time, and it's. You know, it's a lot of work doing, even just a monthly, doing a monthly show can be a lot of work, so.
0: Yeah. How does that work for uh, Python in Iowa? Do you guys do, you do like caucuses and whatnot, so like everyone for a certain Um, library goes into one corner? I'm just kidding.
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's probably, it's similar to to SACPY in most respects. We we used to meet on uh, a couple of different locations in, in the Des Moines area. And oh, cool. um, on site. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and we went to, I think it was a Zoom meetup, kind of like yours. And that went for about a year and now it's just been really sporadic. And I'm trying to come up with ways to make that happen again, because there are actually some business leaders who are invested in Piowa, our local Iowa group.
0: Oh, that's and we good. Just need, we just,
1: Yeah. <laughs> We just need to get uh, get that ball rolling again. It, it, the hardest part is finding regular speakers, I think.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And then when they show up, uh, how to retain them?
1: Yes, yeah. I've I've done some I've done some of the speaking, but I can't do it every every month. So.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a lot of effort. Uh, well, i I'd, I'd be happy to show up and give a presentation on something.
1: Oh, that'd be cool. We should definitely do that. And I should, uh, I've been meaning I should really like post on Twitter, like, hey, if you guys want to like polish up your speaking skills, uh, give me a ping, you know, I'll put you up on Piowa sometime.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you've got pretty good reach. So that's decent exposure. That's how I present it, though, too. It's like, hey, you know, if you've got something coming up, you probably want to do this well at work. So might as well practice here. And then you'll get a recording. You, you'll be able to see it. And...
1: If you need to um, practice for a, a like a local Python conference, I think the meetups are a great way to to do that in a smaller, uh, with a smaller audience.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like, like, and then like over... Ohio. Or, yeah, yeah, I just noticed that. That's a good one. <laughs>
1: So I was wondering, do you have any any particular advice for people who'd like to start building a local Python community, but they don't have one currently?
0: Um, let's see. I'd say if you want to do it, you should do it. If you build it, they will come. And these days with social media being what it is, almost nothing costs anything to put together the channels. Uh, definitely don't beat yourself if it, don't beat yourself up if any one channel is not working. Um, but, you know, whatever starts working, just, you know, cultivate it. And just, yeah. you don't even have to do a venue. If you've got a Zoom going, uh, find a way to, you know, piggyback on your local tech group. Uh, SACPI is kind of a under an apparent organization in Sacramento called SAC Tech and so we kind of collaborate okay. there. We've been we've become one of the biggest sub communities, but all the same um, you know, it's a group that's kind of meeting anyway. And if you've got one if you've got an idea that you want to get one of these going, just look around. You'll you'll likely find someone even on meetup.com or you know, Facebook. Mhm. Yeah, if you build it, they will come. It's true.
1: Yeah, and just be creative because I found that you know sometimes pinging uh, local professors, they'll they'll announce your group to their students. Or, oh, that's a good
0: one. That's a really good um,
1: one. What's the what's the other good one? Oh, Len, the other the other local user groups. They they, they have the same problem that we us Python user groups have. So ask the Ruby group or the Linux group. Hey, do you guys want to hear a Python presentation? I'll give you one. I, yeah. Maybe you'll hate it. But uh, you can. You, here's what. Here's what I'm going to talk about, and you guys can come give, come tell us why you like Ruby or Linux. Sometime, you know, kind of trade that around. Maybe you'll get some new, new people.
0: No, that's a that's a really good point. Uh, we kind of we say okay, we're Python first, but that doesn't mean we're not open to presentations of literally any sort. Uh, just understand mm-hmm. that you know this is a Python Python first group. But yeah, if anyone wanted to come give us a Ruby presentation, by all means. Also, as far as getting content uh, for your Python group, uh, just ask me. I'll show up so long as it's on Zoom. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I've never actually had anyone take me up on talking about something other than Python, but I think that'd be kind of fun if somebody did.
0: Well, and anyway. we can uh, we could segue <laughs> into that. I had at least a few points on there that are slightly less Pythonic.
1: Yeah, we'll get there. Um. <laughs> so let's see could you tell us a little bit about what tools or technology uh, you're using for running an online meetup
0: okay yeah sure uh, so the main thing is we've got two uh, main communication channels one is Slack uh, again that's under that sort of parent organization SAC Tech the SAC Pi is on there also we have a Discord channel um, and then that one sack pie is like a child under, um, it's my, my company's discord. Uh, I also okay. utilize Twitter. I publish our recordings to YouTube. Um, I'm definitely thinking about syndication. I, I'm seeing that you're getting these things out on, in a number of different channels. So I'm starting to think, huh, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should do that. You know, get it onto Spotify, get it on other things, other podcast type things. Um,
1: Yeah, if you post it to Apple Podcasts, that will help because that'll automatically syndicate it to most of the other
0: ones. Oh, okay. All right. Good pro tip. Apple Podcasts. Got it. Yep. Um, Yeah, we do the main recording in Zoom primarily because, well, at least a few of the the MVP uh, repeat speakers have complained in the past about various uh, video conferencing options. So, um, you know, Zoom's pretty popular. Everyone kind of knows how to use it. Uh, anyone who says they don't, well, I kind of doubt that at this point. Everyone's used video conferencing software of some, <laughs> point, some sort. Uh, yeah. uh, let's see. I do most of my presentations. Uh, I'm a Mac guy, so I do it on Keynote. And Zoom has a really nice virtual background option where you can kind of screen mm-hmm. yourself over the presentation. So that's pretty nice. Um I guess this format is it possible would I be able to share my screen in this or is this just the kind of tete-a-tete video and audio thing Um I guess my point um, was I don't think this is, one yeah you can not
1: I don't believe this particular one does sharing of the screen um but streamyard streamyard is good for podcasting and for live casting and that one will let you do a lot more with sharing your screen or, and having other people on the call share their screen as well. So you can kind of swap back and forth. Yeah. And I think you can also play pre-recorded um, videos with that StreamYard, sounds, which is really awesome.
0: That's nice. Cool. Well, yeah, we do kind of like an educational format. So we do a call for speakers regularly and people will do kind of a show and tell. They'll talk about some problem they they've, or tackling at work or some hobbyist thing. And then a solution they came up with usually primarily in, implemented in Python. And so they'll do a lot of screen mm-hmm. sharing. It's a, it's always kind of fun. We'll get people in that don't really do a whole lot of presentations. So we do a rehearsal the night before and kind of coach them to like, all right, now you're going to want to zoom in your text. I understand mm-hmm. that you can read this, but this has got to be able to read over, you know, a cell phone. Not that we get a lot of viewers or yep. anything, but, Build build for the future or something like that. Uh, let's yeah. see, what, else, what else is in the tech stack? Uh, I don't know. Google calendars, stuff like that. But I think that's about the main thing. It's just a video conferencing, uh, an event. Oh, and then meetup. Meetup is like where we post our main
1: yeah. events. Okay. Most of those tools are, are free or low cost. So that, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, we're we're pretty much on a shoestring budget here. We got our first little bit of sponsorship recently, and so we're putting that into t-shirts. Awesome, and that should, should help be, pay
1: for like meetup and
0: yeah and Zoom well, I too. Think, I would hope. Yeah, I think the Python Software Foundation does some amount of compensation on that. If it's the Zoom thing is my company pays for it anyway, so it's kind of a donation. Yeah, I think to that.
1: I think the. I think the PSF will cover meetup costs. I don't know. I don't know how much farther they'll go beyond that. I have never really asked them.
0: Right. Well, I'll let anyway. you know how it goes. We're, we're in the middle of a conversation with them, so.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, I'd like to know. Awesome. All right, right, so let's, let's switch topics. So before we started uh, talking here on the podcast, you had mentioned that you'd gone to DEF CON. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Like any cool takeaways or anything?
0: Yeah, DEF CON was awesome. It was in Las Vegas. It was DEF CON number 31. Uh, It was Mm -hmm. the first time I'd ever been to that conference. Really, really a whole bunch of nice, colorful people. Just amazing production values. It looked like, I don't know, AAA (laughs) video game quality art on absolutely every canvas that they had there. Um, it was in Caesar's forum was the primary, but it was also in four different other hotels to various like villages and focus areas and workshops Hmm. and whatnot. I really only made it to Caesar's forum because in the four days that it was running, there was just, you know, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) 10 times as much stuff as I could individually make it to just in that main building. Never mind the the remaining three. Um, But yeah, I decided to go this year because I've been doing a slew of hackathons and one of the things I've noticed in hackathons is if you're doing okay, uh, you tend to get red teamed by other teams in the competition. And there Mm -hmm. were a few times where it was a little disrupting where it's like, hey, that's kind of cool that we're getting picked on because it seems like they think we're doing something pretty good and might get a win out of this. Um, But also it kind of felt bad because I'm like, all right, this actually is kind of taking me offline here. I'm having to you know, go get new SIM cards at the, the mobile store and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. talk to my bank and freeze accounts and I was like, okay, you know, this is all well and good. It's cool. It's like, Oh, you know, a little bit of recognition, but also maybe I should start to prepare myself a little bit and learn a little bit about what's, what's good. So, Decided to go this yeah. year as an investment, just so you know, I can stop uh, leaving money on the table when security things go sideways. It was pretty cool, though. Um, honestly, I it was more like meeting the people and understanding, like learning the language. Uh, but I was mm-hmm. kind of there, going with an I went with an open mind, thinking like I'm going to run into a few things that just seem to be cutting edge, or at least the you know the zeitgeist. I think the, the main one that stood out was uh, called fuzz testing. Um, and mm-hmm. that's been around for a number of years, but it's been very popular in in recent years. And it's really, really accelerated with the addition of generative AI to the, the tool set. And, oh, nice. Uh, the, yeah. So the idea with fuzz testing is uh, like uh, unit testing is kind of structured tests. Uh, you test to see if, a piece of code is going to be able to handle known cases. Um, But, you know, in in like security analysis and whatnot, you, you talk about known knowns, and then you talk about known unknowns, and you talk about like unknown unknowns, and unknown unknowns are found by, you know, basically in an algorithmic fashion, testing every possible combination of, how you hit that particular code? Say, say you're like messing with an API or something like that. You know, just every mm-hmm. possible way that you can hit, just you know, uh, as many endpoints as you're um, as you're willing to to throw at at the test. And so you end up finding all these yeah. things that just you couldn't do it with static analysis of uh, code. Just you know, sit down, and look at the source code, and go, oh, you know, this is going to be a problem. And fuzz testing finds all those crazy cases. Um, Huh. So yeah, it seems like there's some interesting libraries in Python to do it. I guess Go, like Google's language Go, has it built in. Um, so I'm sure someone oh, nice. said something pretty interesting. I did see one talk that was about um, LLMs and then how to apply it to fuzz testing in Python. So probably we can get that guy oh. on the, end of the show. He was really neat. He just went by X. Yeah, oh. he a, that's gonna be hard to look up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. Uh, When I get the link, I'll share it. I'll I'll tweet it to you.
1: Okay. So, how big is Def Con? I've never gone to something like that before.
0: Like, Uh, well, first, it's overwhelmingly large. I want to say I heard that it was in the mid thirty thousand people or something like that. It was an it was an ocean of humanity, definitely. Um, But yeah. It was pretty wild. There was one event that I went to that was called Hacker Jeopardy, and apparently about 12% of the entire convention goes to that one. That was pretty funny. It was uh, wild and irreverent, and the crowd was getting into it, and everyone's yelling, don't F it up. Contestants are Mm -hmm. drinking beer as fast as they possibly can. And then the the trivia was uh, hacker-oriented.
1: Well, it sounds like DEF CON was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I'm kind of envious myself. I've always wanted to go to one of those big conferences.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. Definitely the the first real big tech conference I've been to in quite some time. Awesome.
1: Before the show started, you had mentioned that uh, you have a favorite holiday. Something about Mars. Could you elaborate what that's all about?
0: Yeah, sure. All right. So it's not. I mean, it's not necessarily. A favorite holiday it's still a (laughs) holiday that's trying to establish an identity it's it's actually a holiday i invented and then registered with the national day calendar company i think they're just nationaldaycalendar.com but it's Hmm. mars day so it's march 5th Uh, if i could share my screen i would and i'd sort of draw it out for you. But all caps, M-A-R, and then the number five kind of looks like Mars. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and so the idea is, you know, it's going to take a long time before we're getting anywhere close to actually getting to Mars. And, you Mm -hmm. know, we're, we're just now getting back to the moon. And so what's it going to take to get to Mars? Well, I think it's going to take a lot more than we've got now. So in the meantime, what we can be doing is thinking ahead and developing the, the talent and the the resources and the operations to be able to do that one day. Yeah. And so we can start now by having a holiday for it and thinking Mars. And so the <laughs> idea on Mars Day is think Mars and then, you know, wear red or something. Um, and Interesting. The, yeah. So hopefully the concept snowballs a little bit. So every every time that comes around, I... To, I do a little bit of like a solo hackathon on the day and come up with new ways to get it out into you know social media and various other outlets just to see how many That's other cool. places I can get it and uh, see if I can get it to stick anywhere. So far, uh, not so much. But it's been fun.
1: Uh, didn't you like uh, talk about figuring out Mars time as well?
0: Yeah, so uh, the Python user group, SacPy, uh had the two of the authors from Python in a Nutshell, the O'Reilly book, mm-hmm. uh, and th- this was the fourth edition. So Alex, the original author, and then his wife Anna Ravenscroft, they were the, the guests, and Anna was presenting okay. on one of her favorite libraries, or it's really just a module from uh, three point nine, and that was. Uh, mm-hmm. te- TZ info, so like time zone info, and she talked about how mm-hmm, important that yep. can be when coordinating, uh, you know, meetings and events and stuff like that amongst people that are in multiple time zones. So, you know, you're in Central, mm-hmm. I'm in Pacific, so we're we kind of got to do a little bit of math there. But once you get a like multiple time zone team going, you got five, six different time zones. It gets a little heavy yeah. to to be able to do that arithmetic and know who you're saying good night to and who you're saying good morning to and all that. And so TZ mm-hmm. info is a really interesting way to just go like, hey, I'm in the Los Angeles time zone, translate to uh, the you know Des Moines uh, time zone, and then yeah, know, quick do that. So they were talking about that, and I kind of chimed in and said like, hey, you know how can, like is it possible to go from say that Los Angeles time zone to some arbitrary time zone on a wholly separate planet. And so Mars was what I was talking about because, well, one, it's a little bit more conceptually easily, like conceptually easily processed mm-hmm. than other planets because the Martian day is uh, 24 hours and some like 37 to 40 minutes. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's approximately okay. the same. So it's not going to be the craziest thing if people are on Mars, but it's still enough. Okay. You know, every whatever that is twenty eight days, thirty days, or something like that, we're off again by a whole additional day, and so mm-hmm. I, I brought that up, and Anna said something like, yeah, well, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it." But Alex spoke up and <laughs> said, "No, no, no. One of my coworkers at uh, Google, he's actually I, I, Alex is actually retired from Google now, so well earned, good work, uh, okay. Alex. Uh, but uh, yeah, one of the guys at Google, his name is Vint Cerf." um he Hmm. is like the father of the internet basically uh he's working on a thing called an interplanetary internet and so he said that might be the guy to talk to i actually did a little bit of digging and figured out where exactly in um things like pep 516 or something like that talks about the changes in 3.9 Um, but I found what they're pointing at. So they point out a database that's run by IANA. What's that called? IANA.org. It's like internet and oh, it's not loading for me. But in any case, there are two guys that are sort of the like primary and secondary stewards of it. One's at Carnegie Mellon. I think the other one's at UCLA. So I reached out to them about how to, potentially stand something up. I, I guess if you're going to do Mars, you might as well do all the rest of the planets too. So uh, so I'm trying to figure out what the data structure looks like for spinning up a new database for a, a new planetary clock. Um, so that might be an interesting project. Uh, that could actually be an cool. interesting talking point here. Um, like you if said you were, you were to researching make a change um, like 5 516 or 519? In the core. Then it went. Well, how would silent. you go about doing that? Because TZ Info is a core module, I believe. Oh no. Am I offline? <laughs> offline for a little bit. Um, what was the last thing you heard from me? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so in that, I I don't know if that's the exact pep, that just number stands out for me, uh, but they talk about yeah, it makes sense to me how TZ info is composed and they it references a database just by a group called IANA, <laughs> and I found some people and I reached out to them on LinkedIn, um, so kind of noodling <laughs> on what the data structure might look like right. for.
1: I, I think I have one more question for you. You mentioned you were working on a game. I'd kind of like to know more about that as well.
0: Because if you do Mars, might as well do the rest of them, right? Yeah, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, any celestial bodies that are spinning, uh, wow. we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this game I've been working on since 2017 or so. Well, uh, 2017 in its current um, okay. like naming scheme, it actually goes all the way back to 2009. Um, and it was just a general concept of gamifying everyday yeah. life. Um, I first put the, the idea of the game together as sort of a, a tutorial for someone mm-hmm. uh, moving to San Francisco you know, teaching them how to use public transportation, how to get along in an average week and how to explore and what sorts of things to look for and how to, you know, keep yourself centered as you're going through the concrete jungle of a city and that sort of thing. Um, And since then, a a thing came out called Pokemon Go that took the world by storm for a minute. Um, It was a game that was established. (laughs) Um, The playing board was effectively... Yeah, the real world it was the map on google maps effectively well it was realistically the map on ingress which was a google product um but it got people out and walking and there were stories of people that mm-hmm. did a whole bunch of walking that never had done much before and lost a whole bunch of weight there are also crazy stories about people not paying hmm. attention and getting hit by cars and stuff so obviously that's a uh, you know, not really the goal, uh, but I really like the idea that a video game got people out and active and whatnot. So, the game I'm working on is called the Red Eye Game. Um, it has like basically no marketing surface at this point, okay. so I couldn't really share anything. Uh, but it's effectively the design is effectively a mashup between uh, Pokemon Go and then Dungeons and Dragons. And so, handful of the handful of the projects I have going nice. right now have some touch points on it. Um, and actually, I got a new client ish now that I might be joining uh, in sort of cool. full stack capacity, I like that but idea. also kind of a community management capacity. Um, sounds like a, sounds game like Forge. a, a very so unique uh,
1: gaming
0: experience. We'll be able to implement some of the game, um, but yeah, the the game will include stuff like the the Martian time stuff. Um, there'll be a there'll be a play mode where you can move around on Mars you cash in your steps here on the planet and, uh, move your character around on Mars.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping to make it mobile first. I want to do a lot of stuff with the camera. The idea with the name uh, red eye is the eye kind of refers to like the, the light that you s- used to see on old school, um, like camcorders when they're recording, it's like, you know, it's yeah. recording and there's going to be a whole bunch of computer vision based features. Um, and so in addition to getting people up and walking around, I'd also like to get them uh, doing some more active things with their environment. So there's a thing called activity recognitions. So I want to be able to point a camera at a person and, you know, maybe they're doing uh, squats or something like that. Yeah. And the camera will just, kind of do the counting or they're doing pull-ups <laughs> or push-ups sense. or whatever else they come cool. up with um, and one one thing we've seen with yeah. youtube is the sky's the limit for people's creativity for what they're gonna <laughs> put on camera and so i want that game to be good at <laughs> all right kind of giving well, a score uh, to like hey a lot, did something, to and one, a lot of fun about python one that was really awesome, doing with two, it, as well as these, like, really hard uh, to do extracurricular so activities like
1: red eye do and, more of that good job and uh, the mars day and even defcon i like hearing about that too so thanks so much for sharing all that information yeah, with us.
0: And then like, maybe don't hurt yourself if possible, but you know, safety third, that's what, that's what we Burning saying.
1: Yeah, no problem. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to all of you. Thank you for listening. And I hope to see you next time.
0: Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show.